This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Good morning, good morning. Professor Ward Scott here on the Ward Scott Files in the Manly Warthog Command Center. Let me see if I'm live here now. And I think I'm uh, ready to go. Thank you very much, Robert Wolfer, for coming early to class. I see you're here. And it is the last uh, Friday before the last Friday in uh, September here in the Mellon Law Studio with the Warthog Command Center in the Piney Woods in North Central Florida. As you know, Mellon Law has 50 years of experience, full legal practice, and the only official law, uh, uh, law firm partner of the Florida Gators. And, of course, crime prevention, which protects us 24-7, 365. Visit them at cpss.net. And Style Cuts is our official hairstylist for the Ward Scott Files. Give them a visit. And all of our other sponsors whom we'll feature and talk about at the uh, bottom of the half hour here coming up. Yes, it is um, the next to the last Friday in of the um, month of September. You know, the old jingle, 30 days has September, April, June, and November. So um, we're... Enjoying, as I'll cover in a half-hour break, the first day of fall. And I was asked if I could do a dance to bring cooler weather. As everyone knows, the naked rain dance that I do occasionally, real dry spells, almost instantly brings rain, deluges of rain. I don't know why. And it's an old pagan dance, really. And it's, um, it is what it is. I can't stop the rain once it starts. So, no, I do not have yet, anyway, a dance for cooler weather. Cooler weather is not as significant in human survival, I suspect, uh, as rain is. So I've developed that rapport with Mother Nature to get rain when needed. Ha, ha, ha. Hope you, if you believe all that, then you believe that I've got swampland and flora for sale, which, incidentally, we'll talk about in a little bit because of real estates in the news. Mar-a-Lago and all that business and the Trumps, and we'll talk about it in a moment. Um, the interesting thing about the local voter babe investigation that we have been doing all these low, these many months, um, really more than a year now, that has um, brought to uh, bear the light on signing up people in the jug to vote and whether or not that was an honest endeavor or whatever that involves. And so a couple of fellows who got signed up and charged subsequently have demanded a jury trial, which we uh, in the Warthog Command Center and the Ward Scott Files think is going to be most interesting because of the deposition of both Kim Barton and T.J. Pichet. Now, the last time I checked, the deposition of T.J. Pichet was to take place October 3rd. All right. I haven't seen that one, that can kick down the road yet. And T.J. Pichet was to be, I think, in the afternoon on October 3rd. And Kim Barton was to be in the morning of October 3rd. That can got kicked down the road, but it has been rescheduled. So sooner or later, it will happen. And they'll have to raise their hand and swear under oath. And this one has been rescheduled for Kim Barton for no, uh, November 7 at 9.30 a.m. So that can has been kicked a full month down the road. And, you know, that's one of the tactics that liars use is uh, justice delayed, is justice denied. Oh, that's the old sing-song saying in the legal world. And so you can draw your own conclusions from the constant can kicking that uh, all practitioners of the legal a profession seem to employ when necessary. So put that date on your calendar. We will not, of course, be able to 
sitting on it. Um, we um, blew up that whole thing when I really stumbled into the first attempt to depose one Ken Cornell, who has since been deposed in top secrecy. We know not a word of what transpired. Sooner or later, of course, we will. We expect, unless, and this is probably going to happen, because there are no trade secrets to steal. That's pretty well been established until we see such a thing actually presented and defined. Uh, They remain uh, rather uh, fiction, and uh, they haven't been produced yet. Files and files and files have been produced, which purport to contain them, but nobody has uh, bothered to underline them in those files. Uh, Certainly, uh, uh, Barney Fife and Omar the tent maker from Kramer's state attorney's office can't do it. I've sat in court and listened to them kick that can down the road. And so one of the legal projections here by the people who study how liars behave is that eventually the state attorney's office, because Boss Hart has never been able to adequately define trade secrets, will drop the criminal charges against the hapless souls who have been dragged through the public torture uh, streets all these months and years. And that will be really an interesting moment because how did there come to be charges in the first place? According to one of the uh, suits that has been filed, uh, the charges came to be uh, levied in the first place because of an investigation paid for by one of the parties to the law, to the the charges. And that's the boss arts paid for, gave the cops the money to go run the investigation and find out what was up and wherever uh, uh, the the so-called trade secrets were kept. And that's been alleged in several documents that we've posted on the Ward's Hot Bulletin Board. And so that will be most interesting, will it not? If a party to the lawsuit or to the criminal charges in this case paid for the investigation to produce the criminal charges and the state attorney's office bought into that notion, and levied the charges, and then lo, these many months later, nobody can produce the substance on which the charges were based, and the state attorney's office, because uh, there is a right to a speedy trial, uh, finally has to drop the charges, then there's all the damages that are yet now to be paid for. For there have been significant damages to the characters and reputations of a lot of people. Uh, some of whom were not even targets of the investigation, just happened to be collateral damage. So it's just heating up its jet engines. And I suspect, and you know, this has, don't get me wrong, it can take several different turns. I suspect that Barney Five, and that's the nickname we give for one of the investigators who's been stumbling, bumbling around the state attorney's office for years. And I got that name from law enforcement guys who call him that. I would never have known that name. That's what law enforcement has called him, Barney Fife. And Omar the tent maker is about to retire. He's been one of the uh, prosecuting attorneys in the stable down there. And he doesn't know what's going on. I've sat and listened to him stumble and bumble and joke about retiring and going fishing and in front of people who have been seriously damaged and had to pay a lot of money to defend themselves against these things that the state attorney's office can't produce. I heard Judge Kolaw order them to produce it. They never produced it. They can't produce it, apparently. And so I predict, and I could be wrong, I could be wrong, but I predict that the state will drop the criminal charges for lack of evidence on which the charges were brought against, of course, uh, Grotos and Riles. That ain't the end of it, though. In fact, that really even makes it worse. It makes it worse because now you didn't have anything to charge them with in the first place, and you showed up with a SWAT team and you zip-tied some folks just sitting around waiting to do business. What's that all about? Are we supposed to think that just goes away? So we got that mystery story going on in the community, and we've got the mystery story of, who really is responsible for 
enlisting voters to vote who weren't eligible to vote. Who knew it and when did they know it and how did they know it and why did they do it anyway? So there's going to be a trial for that. And I don't think the guys in the jug are going to let that go. Uh, I think they're going to want to know what these officials from the state, in this case, Barton and T.J. Pichet, who has taken the fifth and may continue to take the fifth, um, want, you know, what they knew when they went in the jug and signed it up. Now, Pichet actually went in the jug from what we understand. Uh, Barton claims that she was an outreach director under the Pam Carpenter, the previous uh, supervisor, if I have this right, but she never went into the jug, which would stand to reason. I mean, she's a female and she's not going to go into a, a locked up container of males who are wearing the striped suits. She always left the stuff out at the front desk and some jailer, I guess, took it in. But apparently T.J. Pichet went right in the jug and mixed and mingled with the guys in the striped suits. So it's all more than passing interesting. It has to do with uh, uh, a whole lot of uh, significant kind of uh, uh, espionage deals here. And, you know, the title of today's show is The Partisan Prosecutor. And we've got a partisan prosecutor, I'm going to examine a little more closely, going wild, Letitia, Letitia James, out of, uh, out of uh, the, the uh, attorney up in New York City. Oh, boy, you know, I'm going to give you a little expose on her and you can figure out the rest. So here we are. We have an update for you on what's going on with those two events here in our local uh, society. The, the thing that uh, has also come up, which is kind of interesting, is um, the, the fact that um, uh, what is the value of real estate? Now, I want to lay the ground for this because it's going to come up later in our discussion about Mar-a-Lago uh, and what the value of Trump's place is. And it's already come up in the school board. This, well, certain and a couple of them say, oh, we paid too much for the property. The properties in that I'm, I've been a broker. I've done a lot of real estate deals. Um, the property is worth whatever somebody will pay for it. And what somebody will pay for it has to do with a number of factors. If the person is a mortgager, it has to do with being able to get the approval of the bank. Okay, you have to take your request to borrow money on the property to the bank and the bank has to evaluate it and determine that given your character and the value of the property, it's worth loaning money to you. Now, I can tell you personally, I know of a lot of people. Well, I'm going to say a lot. A number of people whom I'm not going to mention on this show who have declared bankruptcy because guess what? They borrowed money and couldn't pay it back. And the property that they borrowed money on was the collateral. So what did they do? They gave the property back to the bank. And some people even view that as a, as a business practice. I can tell you, but I'm not going to tell you the names of the people in this community who have done that. It's kind of shocking to me, but I know that's it. That's, it is what it is. So they borrow money on property, and a lot of things can happen. There was some, because I've been on a bank board, okay? I think some things can happen. Based upon the expectation of the financial climate, people will borrow money and plan on a return on that money that they haven't yet received, but through their calculations, they're pretty sure they'll get it. So they borrow X number of dollars, they go to the bank, they have a proposal, and they say, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to give you a simple, I'm going to build a housing project, which I have been involved in. I'm going to build a housing project. 
bank looks at it and says, boy, you know, based upon real estate values now and based upon what we think that will be when you get through with your project, you're going to have plenty of money to pay us back. And we're going to loan it to you at X number, X percentage interest. And that has to do with what they get the money from, from the federal government to start with. So let's say this individual goes to the bank and has a great plan and everything's booming in real estate and they develop, they actually get houses out of the ground. But guess what? The real estate market is subject to the fickle finger of fate, just as it is now. The interest rates are going up for the borrower and therefore they're going up for the buyer. So all of a sudden these houses are out of the ground. They, you calculated that you'd be able to sell them because the interest rates to this buyer would be at such a rate, but the interest rates jump. So you're eating all these houses and nobody's selling them to. Meanwhile, you owe the bank and you're going to pay the bank on with other people's money, OPM. So what happens is you don't get other people's money and you, you owe the money, but you don't have the money because it was going to come from other people. So you give the property back to the bank. And this has done banks in. Banks have made so many, quote unquote, bad loans that they've been done in. And that happened in Florida. So that's all very iffy and subject to risk. And risk is one of the big things that separates successful people from regular people who work nine to five. People who take risks are subject to failure, but it doesn't deter them. They get right back up and do it again. And they learn this whole thing. It's not a game. It's really a strategy. And then you try to pick when you can sell and when you can't sell and what you mean. Flipping houses, for example. We have a character here in this community, Carly Simon. Um, I've got it some here. I think it was uh, four or five houses, several houses anyway. She flipped with Boss Hart as her agent and closing agents and buying and selling agents. What she was doing is she would buy a house because she had credit Okay, and then she would never take possession of the house. And there was such a mad dash to buy real estate at that time. And this is all her gamble that somebody bought the house before she could close on it, theoretically, for herself. And she turns around and sells it for more than she's borrowed from the bank and pockets a difference called flipping houses. OK. Now, if a realtor does it, it's called overage. In other words, if you have a house for sale, I come in and say, oh, I think the house is worth X number of dollars and you list it with me and I know it's worth more and I go out and sell it for more. Then I've just I've betrayed you. But, you know, it's a fine gray area. All right. So she's flipped four or five houses. I'd have to look at the exact number. Uh, with Boss Hart and pocketed that difference and built up uh, a substantial nest egg that way. And this people do this all over this state. And sometimes they time it wrong and the houses don't flip. And they're they're on the they're on the griddle for the for the difference. So what is let me just give you an example. Oakmont, which is built down there and it's all going to explode in the southwest corner of the county, because that's the only way we got to go. And it's all farmland being changed into uh, residential and commercial. And that's a real tragedy, a real tragedy. I have a friend who leased 6,000 acres to graze cattle on in another county, not this county even, because you can't find 6,000 acres to graze cattle on in this county. In another county, between here and Cedar Key. Well, that that property was sold. A big company, corporation, had invested in that land and held it, probably in a real estate investment trust and part of their portfolio. For this this day, rather invested in the stock market, the real the, the big company wasn't even a real estate company. 
invested in Florida land and just held it. You could pay the taxes and could lease it to cattlemen to, to graze cattle. And so it was a good deal for everybody. But then there comes a day when the shareholders of the company say, if we sell that land out there that that guy's grazing cattle on, for which we're not getting much of a return, we'll have a hell of a return. So they sell it. They sell it to some private owner. First thing the private owner says is, I don't want you on there grazing cattle anymore. I'm going to develop it. So there's 6,000 acres that are off the agricultural chart being turned into residential because everybody wants to come to Florida. In spite of what you hear from Newsom and all these characters, they want to come to Florida. They've always wanted to come to Florida. So lots of people have made a hell of a lot of money in real estate in Florida. In fact, in Gainesville, there are no fortunes that are not real estate fortunes. There are no fortunes. There's no manufacturing in Gainesville, Lachua County. So you don't have a manufacturer billionaire in Gainesville. We've got a couple of guys who made a bunch of money off of selling electric power that GRU didn't want, and I've forgotten the name of it, and you know who they are. But they're not really old money. Old money is money like you'll see in the industrial cities of the north where they've been manufacturing, you know, manufacturing. National Cash Register, for example, when I was growing up, was down the street from us. You know, places like the old money. All right. Um, you don't have old money in Alachua County unless it's in real estate. And that money has been acquired from translating farmland to commercial and residential. And that's what is happening all over this county and really all over the state. It's a very dangerous thing that's going on right now. You're going to see it. You're already seeing it when you go to the supermarket. I bought a double cheeseburger yesterday from a well-known hamburger place here in Lachua and paid almost $10 for it. Are you, did you hear me? Did you hear me? $10 for a cheeseburger. Did you hear me? Did you hear me? So what is going on with the working man? Can he afford to pay $10 for a cheeseburger? What is the minimum wage going to be in Florida in two years? $15 an hour. So you would right now it's about 13, I think. So you, if you go get a hamburger, you will have to work an hour to pay for it. Well, what does that leave for utilities and rent if you have to work an hour to buy a hamburger? And I'm not talking about anything else besides a hamburger. So this is the type of economy that we're in right now. Fluctuating and bouncing around all over the place, and you better be darn sharp and have a deep pocket to ride this out if it can be ridden out. Then throw in partisan prosecutors, which I'm going to get into in a minute, with this Letitia James, and you're going to see it's, 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 it's why nobody in business ever wants to be a politician. He's got any sense. All you have for politicians are politicians. And this character Biden is an ex excellent example. The guy has never had his own business. He's never risked his own capital. He's never signed for a bank loan. But he's telling everybody else what to do with it. He's got guaranteed income for life, always has had. So what is the value of real estate? Well, if you go to Oakmont, which is out here in the southwest corner, it was just a field about two years ago. Not a very attractive one, by the way. The land down there is not all that good compared to where the central up here where we are on up towards uh, uh, Union County. It's just it's just not the same. So all of a sudden, somebody buys that just like they bought the 6,000 acres out from under my cattle rancher. And now 
You drive by it, streets and gutters and and uh, all this kind of stuff. And how much do you think one acre, one acre in Oakmont is selling for? One acre. And now we were talking about 6,000 acres over in this other county. So you take, you can cut it back a little bit because the other county is not under the same growth stress that this county is right now, but it will be soon. Take 6,000. Anyway, one acre in Oakmont is going for $365,000. You hear me? You hear me? What is the value of real estate? Is it always going to go up? Well, if you can wait long enough, probably in Florida, the answer is yes. If you're going to translate it into commercial or residential. I know one builder who has 19 houses he's building right now. Many of which are in Oakmont. Who's in there? Millionaires are in there. I can tell you the average Joe's not in there. And you can't stick in ordinary housing in there because you don't, you it ain't going to work. I'll tell you that right now. You're not going to drop a ordinary housing in the middle of Oakland. By the way, there aren't the names great that they come up with on these developments. I mean, you could take a look at them sometime. And this is the way it goes. And the reason I'm leading up to this is because I'm going to take a look at Trump real close up in a minute. And what Letitia James is trying to do to this guy. And this is the way it works. And you can make an awful lot of money in real estate if you're able to take risks and you're able to time it and you're able to be creative and you're able to borrow money. You can't just walk in and borrow money if you don't have credit. And if you pay those banks back in a timely way, you can borrow forever. So I'll get into this in a moment. You'll see one of the things I am working up to. So flipping houses, real estate values, and I'm going to come into it under the title of state and a partisan prosecutor because of Trump owning property in a couple of different states and on a couple of different countries. Now, let's take Kentucky, for example. Kentucky is got a lot of very wealthy people in it. I happen to have a friend who owns a huge horse farm in Kentucky, Lexington, Kentucky. Okay. But that is his residence 49% of the year. All right. So it's not really his residence. His residence is Ocala 51% of the year. So his real residence is Florida. Why? Why? He doesn't pay income taxes in Florida. There you go. Ward Scott on the Ward Scott Files. We'll come back and talk about Letitia James and Donald Trump, and we'll just for good measure throw the Biden family in on top of it. Words got on the Words Got Files. Talk to you in a minute. Although the owner of Lewis Oil Company maintains she is 29, Lewis Oil turns 60 years old in June. Chevron would like to recognize the North Florida second-generation family-owned business, celebrating its growth and staying power. Lewis Oil Company maintains significant on-hand supplies, strategically located fuel depots, a delivery fleet, on-site service, fuel card locks, and convenience stores. Lewis Oil Company understands its responsibility in the local economy by providing service and delivery on demand and in crisis. As a first responder for 18 Florida counties and the southeast from Texas to Virginia, we are proud of this rare accomplishment. Lewis Oil delivers. This is Ward Scott, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. 
The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. Melvin Law, the only official injury partner of the Florida Gators. The Ward Scott Files gold sponsors are Lewis Oil Company, Shoot GTR, On the Spot Dry Cleaners, R&R Construction, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.wardscottfiles.com, and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Wardscott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. Or that very much surprises me that you've never been tased. You can't handle the truth! All bees poop. The warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Now for the weather brought to you by Lewis Oil. The Word Scott Files, thanks for production for showing you all of our great sponsors, Style Cuts Official. Hairstylist of the Words God Files. Take a visit to David Ratliff. He's a great guy. Tell him I sent you. Um, weather. Thanks to Lewis Oil for supporting us and helping us, and Wendell Lewis in particular. We have got a major hurricane threat due into the Caribbean, probably into the Caribbean. Uh, next week, right now, it's called Tropical De- Depression Number Nine. And this thing you know, is about as predictable as a rattlesnake could come in, twist to the northeast once it gets past Cuba and that area into the warm waters of the Gulf and shoot right up here over Gainesville, Palacio County, or maybe a little farther west over towards Mobile, Pensacola. But when it gets into the Gulf next week, is when we'll really have to take a look at it. It is uh, just escape the destructive path of Fiona, which is probably going to be the strongest hurricane, imagine this, to ever hit Canada. Um, so what an interesting deal that is. But all eyes are currently on the Southern Caribbean uh, for this next tropical threat. I've been asked when the next cold front is going to come in. Uh, not next week too much. I took a look out at the week temperatures. We will believe, be below 90, but we'll be above 85. We're back up above 70 at night. So uh, that brief moment where we had dipped below 70 uh, into the high 60s, that's gone for a while. So um, we, uh, we uh, still we don't have the scorching heat, but we do have still warm uh, temperatures. And that night, of course, that's when our grass grows for those of us who are still have one foot, if you will, in the agricultural world. So next week is when we'll really be keeping a close eye on what the weather is doing from the Caribbean into the Gulf. There's no question but what this probably is going to be a problem for somebody. And hopefully it will not come our way. But you might start planning ahead. As we've talked before, during a hurricane, um, the, the, the food stores can be cleared out, as you know, in a couple of hours. So it's not uh, something that uh, takes a very long time. We've got the call-in line open. It's 352-707-9101 if anybody is is interested in that. And uh, we'll, we'll have a chat with you. 
Letitia James, let me tell you a little bit about Letitia James. She is, my friends, uh, let me just pull this up, a lifelong activist. She's never had any financial risk that I can see. I've researched for some. She is not the type of person who has been out there borrowing money and, and betting on, uh, you know, a return and, you know, being responsible for the supervision of contractors and subcontractors and all that. She is strictly uh, an activist. She's a lawyer. She's a politician. I'm just going to run through some of the stuff here about her. She's born and raised in Brooklyn. That's always dangerous when you're born and raised in a spot and you never leave it. I don't know if there's a tree in Brooklyn. Um, there was a nice play one time or a short story, I can't remember which, called A Tree Grows in Brooklyn. Uh, she then went to Howard University in D.C. So you can see, and then she went to college in the Bronx. So this lady, I'm going to use that word mildly, hasn't been anywhere. Really, really hasn't even been out of New York and has made her life goal being an activist in New York. She's been a member of the New York City Council. Uh, you know, she's she's served, served on economic development sanitation committees, even though she's never had a business herself. Um, she was a public advocate uh, as an African-American woman. So you can see how that has been placed rather prominently in her portfolio. Uh, she was a candidate. Uh, she announces uh, that in 2022, she was a New York gubernatorial candidate, uh, but she suspended her campaign. Um, born in Brooklyn, raised in New York, one of eight children. Oh, golly, what else can we say about her? And, and that's it. She served as a public defender. Uh, she's been on a task force for diversity, diversity. I don't know if you could get a more stellar portfolio for a left wing activist than you can get for uh, a Letitia James. Now, Letitia James, according to the analysis in the opinion page of the journal, ran for office, the state attorneys of uh, the city attorney job, his council job, um, uh, promising to indict Donald Trump. Okay, there you go. Where would people be if they didn't have a devil? You always got to wonder about that. If you don't have a devil, you got to invent a devil. Because then you can rally everybody around collectively being frightened of that devil. And Trump has served as the devil for so many people to cower from. And so she ran on office for office promising to indict Trump. And the problem with this, as the analysis has shown, as an attorney, as a liar, as a state attorney liar, um, you're supposed to find a crime and then identify the perpetrator. See, we're dangerously close to this in this uh, Boss Hart, Grotos, Riles case where the, the, the state attorney appears to have fallen for the notion that there's a crime based upon an investigation paid for by one of the parties to the crime. What? I mean, that, 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 that's got to be, that, that, that needs to be explained at some point. What? So James declared Trump could be indicted for criminal offenses and then started hunting for the offenses. And all she needs in a civil lawsuit is just a preponderance of evidence. She doesn't need proof beyond a reasonable doubt. She's figured all this out from hanging around the courtrooms in Brooklyn and New York, where she's, she never has left that. Well, she traveled down to D.C. as far as she went. Now, the Manhattan District Attorney, just so you'll know this, 
examine the very same evidence she's using to indict Trump and didn't file any charges. Didn't file any charges. So she's the state attorney, the city attorney, district attorney. I, I, see, I don't see anything wrong. She comes in and says, well, I do. And then she starts finding things that she thinks. And here's where we build on what I said earlier. She's claiming that Trump overestimated the values of his properties in order to borrow more money from the bank. But here's the kicker. If you'll harken back to what I was saying a moment ago, it comes down to whether the bank gets paid back. Hey, if you go in with your reputation and your ability to deliver on what you want to borrow the money on and the bank buys into it, that's between you and the bank. Now, in the case of Trump, everybody he borrowed money from, he paid back. He never defaulted. He never defaulted. So where's your beef? These transactions, when they borrowed money, when he borrowed money from the bank, the bank did its due diligence. It used its auditors. It used its professional clientele. And the bank knows that there's enormous variability in real estate valuations. I had a piece of property one time appraised. My God, the appraisals were as, as wild as the weather. Because there were no comparables. You know, most appraisers do their appraising by comparables, what's sold that was similar to it. I mean, let me just tell you. I mean, I've always thought appraising was kind of a racket. I mean, I know guys who, who did drive-by appraisals. They just drove by. And we're doing them for the banks. And they were real estate brokers. They, they just did them for the banks. And they just drove by them. Never went in them. Nothing. I can tell you, I've got a list of people who do that or did that when I was in the business. So here you are. And she's going to come in way after the fact and try to claim that she knew what the value was. And she ain't never been a real estate agent. She ain't never been a banker. She's an activist. Do you get what we're driving at here? She's got to prove, and I don't know, she might be able to do it. I, I, you know, the way these people operate. That Trump deliberately deceived the bank to get the money. That it was an intentional deception. Do you think a lot in Oakmont of one acre is worth $365,000, $75,000? I damn sure don't. But if I was still in the business, I'd sell it. If there was somebody who was willing to buy it or bank that's willing to loan on it, are the builders paying that much for it? Well, if the builders are paying that much for it, what are they going to have to put on that house? What kind of house are they going to put on that property to pay back the purchase money for the lot on which the building sits? Well, let's start on a million dollars. Is that where you're going to have to start? Well, what you're going to do, you're going to ride around through Oakmont and say that's what the comparable selling price is. That's what's buying. Hey, and there are people buying them, lock, stock, and barrel out there. And then go look and see if they're buying them for cash or they're buying them mortgaged. Because, you see, it's relative. They may have sold a place in New York to get the hell out of New York. And it was half the square footage and twice the money. And they come down here and get twice the square footage for half the money. It's a deal. It's a deal. This is all about politics. And what do you think the politics are about? 
They are about making sure that Trump will never again run for president. I mean, pretty much everybody understands that. And they're, they're, they're kind of pulling it off because now there are Republicans who are being to say, you know, I love Trump. I think he's the best president we ever had. This he was a straight shooter. Uh, but I don't think I don't think we can take a risk on him again. You see, they're very good, the Democrats, people like this, Atisha James, at going after this guy for political reasons to make sure he doesn't come back and upset their apple cart, which is basically their hold on power. Now, what is their beef about? What is it really about? Because you see, she's also trying to include Trump's children in the suit. And by doing so, she would bar them for life from being officers. He couldn't pass the businesses along to his children. And furthermore, she wants to yank the certifications that allow him to do the business. So she wants to put him out of business so that he can't continue to fight with his private money their politically financed assaults. So this is why business people do not become politicians. This is why when you look at these commissions and these people are like, how low can you go? Bowtie Poe, a boy named Lauren, dude has never had a business, but he's telling you how to run yours. The communist Cuban commissioner, Cinco or whatever her name is, to my knowledge, has never had a business. She's gone to liar school, this, that one. She doesn't know what she's talking about. Adrian Heza Santosa, who can't remember where he slept last night, never had a business. Letitia James is a partisan prosecutor. You have to examine her charges and evidence in that context. Okay? You have to examine it. She's the New York Attorney General, and she's looking for evidence to support the charges that she's using to eliminate Trump from the political scene. That's pretty much the opinion of the Wall Street. That's just not me. That's not me. Meanwhile, meanwhile, the Biden family. Before Joe became vice president, Hunter Biden was a lobbyist for an online gambling company in Europe. This is all according to research done for this uh, definitive movie on the Hunter Biden world. And once his father became the vice president, Hunter became real flush with foreign capital. He acquired a billion dollars in financing from a Chinese state-run bank and all of a sudden was on the board of a Chinese investment firm a high harvest RST and, it, and they gave him 10% equity in a company. He didn't have any experience in China, had no experience on governing the board, what they were governing, had no qualifications to hold a seat on the board. But his last name was Biden. There's another part of the family. There's a guy named Frank Biden. You ever heard of him? He underwent a sudden professional switch from real estate to renewable energy uh, once his brother took over the vice presidency, brother Frank. He set up companies in Costa Rica and Jamaica. Now, here we, here's what I'm talking Here's the point that's being made by these analysis by Breitbart and the Wall Street Journal and these various entities. Trump is a private citizen using capital he is risking with his own creative commitments. The politicians are using government money in a way that 
they have no risk. If you're on a board of a company in China and have no qualifications to be on the board and you're given a 10% equity without having to put up any risk yourself, that's not comparable to what the Trump businesses or other people's businesses have done. There's a whole lot of work being done on looking into the Biden family, as you know. But is it being covered in the press? Do you have any pursuit by the liars of this? We know about Hunter Biden's foreign deals uh, with Chinese entities. We know about things that were um, basically gifts by China for influence. And yet we are obsessed with whatever relationship Trump might have had with Russia. But we're not obsessed with whatever relationship the Biden family, and that includes Uncle Joe, allegedly, the big guy, through the behavior of his son, Hunter. And this bothers the American, or should bother the American public, wouldn't you think? Wouldn't you think? One of the things that's happened in this country, and we've been talking about it for quite a while, anecdotally, we've been talking about the work ethic. John McCormick and Aaron Zittner report on a poll. They want trying to figure out if there was such a thing as a diminished value of, on the work ethic. And here's what, it was a Wall Street Journal poll. Here's what, I'm going to pass them along to you. And I'll probably end the show on that and you can figure out what you think. Where is the work ethic in American culture? Well, according to the Wall Street Journal poll, 85% uh, of the Republicans still believe anyone who works hard can get ahead. And I would put a caveat on that. Don't try to become a politician as a businessman. And try to try to take on the progressive left deep state because they'll come after you. They'll come after you with all these institutions that are no longer trustworthy from, by many people. FBI, IRS, Department of Justice. You know, the, the district and state attorney offices. So 85% of the Republicans think you still think you can work hard and get ahead. 53% of the Democrats believe that. Okay. That's one big difference. Now, do the Democrats even value any kind of residual work ethic in the culture? No. Democrats say that hard work isn't sufficient. Why? Why? Why don't you jump ahead of me and guess? Why do the Democrats say that the work ethic of hard work in America will not get you ahead? It is because of, are you ready for this? Systemic hurdles based on, are you ready for this? Guess what? Race, class, huh? So they're canceling student loan debt. They're putting subsidies into affordable health care. Whereas the Republicans say the government should free up the individuals and the businesses and the charities to help the people help themselves. The Democrats saying, oh, no, no, no. They can't help themselves because you, white people, they don't say that word, have put up systemic hurdles. 
I'll let you draw your own conclusions about it. That's just what the poll finds. Lots of the people out there who asked this question thought that systemic racism, which is one of the things that the Democrats still believe keeps the work ethic from being a value in the country, they thought all that would hush, settle down, and go away when, guess what? Obama was elected. People felt, my golly, at last we have put racism behind us now that we have a black president. We can shut the door on that and move ahead as a nation. Examination of this assumption shows exactly the opposite has happened with the election of the first black president. And they never mentioned, by the way, he had a white mother. Okay, so let's get that in the, let's get that in the conversation. He didn't choose to ever mention his mother. In fact, he didn't even know the father. He chose that race car. And then he chose to embed it in the conversations while he was the president. And there's so many examples of that are driving crazy. So exactly the opposite happened. Rather than racism going away as it should, as Thomas Sowell says, you just stop talking about it, it became the front burner conversation. Where you are, my friends. I mean, that's 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 pretty much it. I mean, that's you know, that's the way it is. Period. It is it, it has become so. You know, I, I want to conclude with this. It's kind of, you know, I went to military school, uh, and I really appreciate the opportunity to have done that. And the Air Force Academy was one of the places where we sent guys to. I had classmates who went to the Air Force Academy. I had went to West Point, Annapolis, Coast Guard Academy. There is now at the United States Air Force Academy in Colorado, a diversity and inclusion training indoctrination that is instructing cadets to use words that include all genders, even to refrain from saying things like mom and dad. Huh? They have a slide presentation titled diversity and inclusion and what it is, why we care and what we can do. And Fox News has put all this out there in the public. And we get to understand that cadets are advised to use person-centered, gender-neutral language. Huh? It's, you know, the, the diversity and inclusion training also includes an exercise, according to the Fox News research here, asking cadets to separate into small groups and write down as many G animals or animals that start with the letter G. And I don't know what the heck that's all about. What difference does it make? Let me see what the Fox thing says. Um, um, has something to do with diverse perspective. I don't know what the heck is going on with that. Um and they're being taught that they face challenges that, you know, um, the challenges, I don't, I don't, anyway, I thought I would throw that in there. The cultural sensitivity training. It's the same thing that's going on at the University of Florida. I got that out on the Wardsop Bulletin Board. That went on there. Uh, it is, it is, it is assumed that every one of us has an unconscious bias and a cultural insensitivity. Huh? Huh? Every one of you, every one of you is guilty. Huh? 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 You want to find out? Go to the United States Air Force Academy. Well, have a great weekend. We'll find out about Gator. Gator's got a lot on the line here coming up. We'll see how they do. Uh, one buddy who predicts they'll win, well, you know, who knows? We'll find out.
Have a great weekend. Warthog Command Center out.